Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that Articulate operates on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, Kainai, Pikani, the Sitsina, the Stony Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. If you're new to Articulate, welcome. We're a nonprofit organization that focuses on giving a voice to marginalized and underrepresented youth worldwide. Hi, my name is Teja and I'm the Vice President of IT and Photography at Articulate. My name is Bonvi and I'm the Founder and President of Articulate. And we will be your hosts today for this podcast. The theme of today's podcast is feminism and female empowerment. We will be discussing essential questions about what it truly means to be a feminist and how can female youth empower each other in today's society. We are joined here today by Shogun, Ishida, Tahira, and Gladys. If each of you could take turns introducing yourself and explain briefly what feminism and female empowerment means to you. Um, hi everyone, my name is Shagun Kanwar. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. I'm a creative based in Toronto, greatly invested in working on equity issues, the nonprofit sector and the arts in general. Currently, I am the editor-in-chief of Margins Magazine, which is a publication about for and by the community. And most recently, I was the executive director for the UTSC Women's and Trans Centre. Ishita, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you, Shagan, for a lovely introduction. Hello, Articulate. Um, I and its listeners. I am Ishita Singla, founder and artistic director of Madhavan Performing Arts, a nonprofit organization in Calgary, which aims to create a safe space for artists specializing in dance, music, and drama, while raising awareness for social causes. Um, feminism and female empowerment was actually a huge contributing factor to Madhavan's conception and launch. And I'm very excited to be on this podcast to discuss our journey empowering um, female artists and transitioning into an equal opportunity organization in the recent years. Apart from Madhuban, I am also a professional marketer at a national financial firm, and I'm obsessed with cats, and you'll find me imitating them all the time. Um, if I meow here, um, guys, it's me. <laughs> and to me, feminism is, is a beacon of hope, hope for equality. I believe feminism will be achieved once we have reached an equilibrium of in the society where this movement is no longer needed. Female empowerment, on the other hand, are active measures to pave the path for women and men alike to respect equality and synergy. These measures are applicable in various fields. And since my expertise lies in the world of performing arts, I do not shy away from incorporating these concepts as foundational blocks to our operations. And now I'll pass it on to Tahira. Thank you so much. Um... Definitely, absolutely honored to be in the presence of such amazing um, artists and uh, women. Um, my name is Tahira Rajwani. I my pronouns are she/her. Um, I'm 16 years old. I'm a uh, in uh, grade 11 um, and reside in Ontario. 
Um, I'm actually an editor here uh, for the Arti for Articulate as one of many uh, nonprofit arts organizations I contribute to. Um, I've been writing for as long as I can remember, um, but probably really started getting into poetry, prose, and slam in the past five years or so. Um, I love to read, write. I really enjoy theater and exploring the world through interactions with other people. To me, feminism and female empowerment um, to go off of Ishita's point, it's, I, I think it was an amazing point about striving towards a society in which the movement is not needed anymore, because for me, feminism and female empowerment is really about equity and respect, and it's about the right to equal opportunity, the right to be heard, the right to be respected, the right to not be inhibited by your gender, not to be prejudged for your gender or sex, um, the right not to have to fear because of this genetic factor that you can't control. And most of all, it's about freedom of expression. That's so, like, I, I totally agree with you. Um, that's such a good way to put it to Hira. Uh, like, for me, feminism, like, I, I always think back to Kimberly Crenshaw's definition of intersectional feminism. Um, where she says that it's a prism for seeing the way in which where various forms of inequality often operate together and exacerbate each other. So like for me, female empowerment, it's really about centering these voices that face that these interlinked coexisting forms of oppression so that we can truly work together to empower our future generations because only by doing this can we collectively get to the depths of the inequities that um, that we face and work together to address them on every single level. Hi, um, my name is Glennis. I am a student at Western University, um, which is in London, Ontario, and I'm from Calgary as well. And yeah, I agree with everything that every um, person has said here. Um, I think feminism to me is about giving women choice um, and sort of like letting go of our traditionalistic view of women and understanding that um, women are not a monolith and sort of giving um, women the freedom to be themselves however they choose to and sort of having autonomy over their lives and their bodies. And for me, female empowerment is sort of Relating to feminism, where you're sort of giving women the tools of how to um, sort of achieve the things of feminism. So having that autonomy um, of themselves and their bodies and having that um, um, being able to have choices and um, stand firm in your choice, whatever that is. I think that is what female empowerment is, sort of giving women the tools and um, the tools of how to sort of achieve the um, goals of feminism. Um, and yeah, that's it. It's so nice to meet you all. So we're gonna go on with our first question. What does being a woman mean to you? And how does that empower you? So to me, um, publicly, it, it means owning up to who I truly am and taking up the space I need in any room I enter. Uh, without any sort of fear and personally it's about being this quiet trailblazing revolution wherever I am and in whatever I choose to do 
to me that's empowering because it's always about leaving my comfort zone behind to break through all the glass ceilings and limits that the world may invariably try to impose on me and even others around me Um, very interesting points, Shagun. Um, just to add to that, um, I feel that being a wom- woman in present day comes with a huge responsibility and also a sense of gratitude. Gratitude, um, gratitude, because our foremothers, and I know we don't use this term often, but I would like to coin this today. Foremothers have fought for centuries to ensure that we have the rights and opportunities we do today. And, you know, many women before us have challenged gender roles and stereotypes and made it far easier for us to access these opportunities and reap the benefits. And along with gratitude, we also have responsibility. And this responsibility lies in taking this legacy forward. And that is what we are doing here today. Um, We're initiating in meaningful conversations, um, contributing to the change of mind, changing of mindsets. Although a lot of work has been done already, um, I feel there is still a long way to go until we reach that equilibrium in the society and reach those equal platforms. And the fact that we're doing this together and we are voicing our opinions is empowering to me as is. Thank you. I could not agree more with everything that's just been said. Um, I think trying to define what being a woman means to me is difficult because I think the beauty of being a woman is that it's no one thing, that it's open to be defined by everyone who chooses to take on that label and that it can't be defined actually. I think it's about duality and and possibility and strength to both define what that label means for you while not letting it define you. Um, and I, I am proud to be a woman and adding on to Ishita's point about our foremothers, um, I think often about how much adversity previous generations of women have overcome. And I don't really think we've ever abided by gender roles. I think the gender, we've been convinced by the patriarchy that we have abided by gender roles. And I think about how strong we've always been in ways society doesn't really acknowledge in the traditional sense, but women have always been strong and multifaceted. And to me, that is, is is extremely empowering. And it's an aspect of my identity that I've never been ashamed of and I will always continuously be proud of. That's so amazing. Uh, like, I 100% agree with what you've just said. Yeah, I think uh, being a woman to me is sort of like being the underdog and sort of like being underestimated, you know, and being underestimated by the world, you know, and the world perceiving as an underdog and sort of having to not only, you know, necessarily prove to the world that you are not, you know, what they perceive you to be, but that you are more than that. And also proving that to yourself as well, because if the world is telling you, that you're something you know you are more inclined to actually believe that you are and I think a lot of the time um since we do live in a patriarchal world women are sort of seen as second class citizens and I think being a woman is in a way sort of like not in a like competitive sense but I think I try to um I try to sort of like Mm, sort of match my like match what society I would say deems as a male um 
what's the word like a male thing if that makes sense um and I'm like that I'm doing it to like you know we're not them in a sense but I'm doing it out of my um because that is what is authentic to me and that just happens to be something I guess that is seen as like a man thing so I think being a woman is you know sort of having like excelling in your um authenticity regardless of if the world um quote-unquote agrees with it or not and that empowers me um that empowers me to sort of like be in a way fearless and sort of um you know sort of be dominant in the sense because I am already like a very dominant person regardless but I think being a dominant woman it's already in itself not to you know be taken seriously and to not be treated as a second class citizens citizen so I think um to me being a woman is empowering because I'm so sorry if I cut out my apologies um but just to wrap what I'm saying being a woman to me is sort of having this strength that people as in the world doesn't get to see or doesn't acknowledge that you even have and doesn't appreciate that you have and still sort of having it either way and keeping it either way and not letting the norms of the world and what their expectation of a woman is um, sort of um, influence how you want to behave or exist as a woman. It's so amazing to hear all of your experiences and your definitions of what being a woman means to you. Um, I'm just impressed and empowered just by listening to all of you talk. Um, but moving on to my next sort of question or my next point, um, it's often thought that racial inequalities are often segregated from gender inequalities and the creation of patriarchal societies um, however, we know now that this doesn't hold true, especially in present day. And if you are com uh, comfortable sharing, how have gender or racial inequalities and the intersectional elements of the two impacted you in your day-to-day -day life as women of color? And what steps have you taken or advised others to take who are facing such inequalities? Um, so... I'd like to like I feel like I'm privileged enough to not have faced that much of like gender or racial inequalities within my family sphere where it's it's always been very uplifting and empowering all about empowering each other um but that's I unfortunately that's not the case in many South Asian families um however when it's come to like professional settings or even hobbies I have faced some form of gender or racial inequalities there have been many times where I've been the only POC in a room and suddenly like I've become so acutely aware of what exactly I'm representing that space and what that responsibility sort of entails. And I think it's always important to recognize that like when you're the only person of color within a room or the only woman in a room that you don't, you don't necessarily speak for all women or all like all POCs, um, but it's still there is that like burden that does come up onto the person to like make sure that you're representing um, others as well in an appropriate way. And coming to your the second part of your question with advice to give to others, 
um, I think it's just best to organize with others and advocate for your rights and make spaces more inclusive and inclusive in the true definition of the word, not in that like we, like people should just get rid of that thoughts and prayer energy that's like kind of dark in this this new academic or corporate catchphrase of equity diversity and inclusion and truly own up to what it actually means i could go on and on about that shagan um i have faced that in workplaces in so many of different environments um but i think if I were to talk from my dancing experience, um, the the like what I could remember um, is uh, some of the productions and previously before Madhuban was conceived was when I was cast as the lead dancer and it was not attributed to my talent or anything. It was more about how I looked um, at that time. So it was more about looking a certain way and getting the role because of that and once I realized what was happening around me and how dancers were being perceived due to this particular positioning I decided to you know take these matters to my in my own hand and introduce Madhuban Performing Arts uh, which is my organization and you know it was a competitive space but um, we wanted to create a safe space for female um, dancers and create a female-centric space and we didn't measure our dancers by their waistlines we measured our dancers by their vigor towards art and passion towards giving back to the community because that's what Madhuban is all about and um, you know I was witness to the fact that most of the in entertainment or dance groups in the community in Calgary at that time always had like one male like central like central dancer with like almost with the vibe of girls fluttering around him and the concept was like much similar to how Bollywood works. I don't know if you guys have seen Bollywood movies, but it's always this central hero and like it's very like male dominated and everyone else is just kind of auxiliary. And so it's like a microcosmic, you know, this depiction of how Bollywood is um, depicted and it's the same here in the artistic world. And so to change this narrative, we started out as a female centric team but once we were comfortable with, you know, finding our own voice and penetrating into the market with um, like a female oriented strength, um, we actually started to work towards an equal opportunity team. And we now have um, male, six male musicians and one uh, new male dancer. So we're also leading to that part of, you know, creating that equal opportunity space. So it doesn't go to the other extreme of feminism. Um, and, you know, um, it's like it was needed to break through the stereotypes and um, where, you know, women are not treated as props in a dance, but respected artists. So that's been my journey. Like, oh, my gosh, I like the entertainment industry does need a real shakeup when it comes to the types <laughs> of stories that they tell. There is a, a responsibility that needs to be taken to not have these like typical narratives continue to be repeated time and again um like you did mention Bollywood like that happens there so often you have these um these actors that have been in in the, in the industry for so long always being put at the front and center and 
like other stories which are more important I, I don't want to say they're more important but other stories that also should be having a platform and space aren't given that that space to really talk about uh, what they do want to share um, now I think in the age of Netflix and Amazon there is definitely more opportunity that's come forth uh, because there are opportunities kind of being given to everybody across the board to at least have a fair chance at um, sharing stories that are uh, inclusive and that aren't just centered on the one guy surrounded by yeah. all these pretty girls. That whole hero's journey, like we get it. Now we want to move to the heroine's journey. Like let's get there, right? And we like it's sad that I had to take that extreme measure of creating an all girls team to just mm -hmm. make a point. But the point should be that it shouldn't be about the gender. It shouldn't be about any any of those roles. It should be an equal opportunity in any team. And that's what we're now working towards. Mm -hmm. So very important. Tahir, what are your thoughts? I absolutely, I think it's the, the, there were such powerful points brought up in that um, interaction between you two. Um, and I think one of the big things was about like, when you realized that this was an issue, because a lot of the time, these looked like, they look like nuanced incidents, like isolated. And it isn't until you zoom out and notice the larger pattern that you realize that, oh, this is gender inequality. This is sexism. So what I mean is like, also I, I, I um, consider myself extremely privileged. Um, I, I come from a progressive and accepting family and community. I attend what I view as generally a progressive school and no one has ever come up to my face and said, you can't do this or I won't let you do this because you're a girl, because you're a person of color. And I'm, am I incredibly thankful for never having experienced those overt or traumatic or discouraging events? Absolutely. But the thing is that you never know how people's biases below the surface are affecting the way they treat you because you can speculate, but the way these biases present themselves are often subtle until you notice the pattern for example the wage gap a lot of women still don't know if the, in, in their position they're being paid less than a man until you zoom out and notice the pattern of behavior directly correlated between sex or gender and pay you realize oh that's sexism it's the same thing with the fact that during the pandemic i was reading an article recently about how women have lost nearly all the jobs lost have been um women and on an individual scale you might not realize that this is influenced by an inherent gender bias until you zoom out and look at the more extensive data and notice the pattern. It's the same thing with day-to-day -day occurrences. For example, if you have a teacher that's always dismissing your opinions, you might think, oh, you know, they might not really like me or it must be something wrong with my work. But you have to, you, you, you aren't able to see that, oh, they, this person has a pattern of treating people of color or women who speak up like this. And then you can't hold them accountable for their biases. And I think that's in a lot of ways still extremely harmful because then you take it personally, you take it as a reflection of your own skill or personality or merit instead of being able to zoom out and say, hey, this isn't me, this is part of a larger pattern. And then you just have these large groups of women or girls or people of color who believe they are worthless or undervalue or undersell themselves because of this belief that it's a personal issue that's been reinforced through subtle discrimination that perpetuates the issue. I don't know if I made any sense there, but uh, I hope I did. You definitely did. Oh my gosh, you were on fire there. And wow like that is so it's so to the core of the truth 
it's like what especially like as you were saying like with the pandemic women have been hit so hard because at least in most domestic situations the the burden falls more on the woman and like with every with a lot of things being worked from home women within families have had to take this larger burden and and it's pulled them back so so much um I think I, I read a statistic somewhere that said it's it's pulled women back by 20 years in what it took us to come to this very point pre-pandemic. Those are my two cents. Um, what are your thoughts, Glennis? Um, no, Tejo went off. Like, I, don't worry, you made perfect sense. Um, I think, um, so, like, in terms of, like, um, my family structure, I think that's been a very, like, a big one because um, I have two brothers. I'm a middle child. And, um, you know, I am, I think it's also important to note that I'm African and you sort of have that African um, mentality of um, just a traditionalistic mentality. And um, that has sort of um, created a clash, I guess, between me and my parents, um, where, you know, I was expected to sort of like play second mom to my brothers. And like I said earlier, me being a very like, dominant person you know and sort of like stubborn when I need to be obviously that sort of cause friction because it's like you know I don't mind having to help my family and all of that but it's sort of turned into this ex- expectation of me doing you know the quote-unquote household chores and like the cooking and all of that and we would get into you know a lot of arguments about it and you know it got to the point where it's like they sort of had to um they sort of like had to like they just came to like I think they just came to to the reali- realization that I'm I'm not going to agree with this you know and they sort of just like quote like just let it go in a sense but it's just a thing of me having to like stand my ground and you know them taking that as me being disrespectful or being you know stubborn but it's like no you know I want I want you to understand how you expected me as you know the only girl to sort of like be a second mother to my to my brothers and you know sort of baby them is not fair to me you know and I think another addition to that is me being a black woman as not and sort of not having that separation you know I'm both at the same time and I think one of the most prominent things I've noticed is um at work I used to work at McDonald's and I would just have like issues with like a specific manager um basically like sort of like just giving me a harder time compared to everybody else about you know me being you know impolite to customers and disrespectful you know I sort of wanted me to tolerate customers um disrespect because you know the customer is always right even though that is not true and me standing out for myself as I will always do came with a lot of backlash from him but then when it came to other people who sort of did the same thing I did you know, not tolerating disrespect from customers, he was very lenient in his approach to solve, you know, discipline them, if that makes sense. So I was just like, you know, you know, I don't want to assume, and he was a white male, I don't want to assume, you know, that he has that bias, but I can't not not assume that he does, right? And so it's always been in the back of my head, like, he, like you know, why am I getting harsher um, discipline when everybody else is doing the same thing. And so I think, you know, in the working force, I'm just with my family, That the, those are the two most prominent places where my gender and my race have sort of like created 
um like friction and um I think the steps I've taken is just being stubborn that is my advice you know and people might say that's not good advice but anyone who knows me even my parents like I've had to sort of like teach my parents to undo a lot of their negative mentality as Africans you know and you know I'm being patient with them because I understand you know it's not entirely their fault. You know, they grew up in a certain place with a certain way of thinking. It's going to take time to get rid of that, you know, and I'm going to force them to change. That's basically what I've done and be stubborn and, you know, you know, sort of just stand my ground, you know, and not be afraid, whether it's someone who is in an authority position or my parents, just stand my ground and advocate for myself. I think that's the most important thing, regardless of how that is perceived by other people you know I've just learned to advocate for myself because nobody else is going to do it for me if I don't do it for myself yes definitely and that's very important advice for all of the young girls that are listening in our audience so it seems like all of us as women have experienced gender or racial inequalities whether it's directly or indirectly and we are all in our own way working toward getting rid of these inequalities here is where we will end today's segment join us next time to hear more from these speakers about what being a woman means to them and how they have taken steps in their communities to raise awareness about social justice issues if you would like to check out more about Articulate, follow us on Instagram at articulate.initiative and make sure to check out our website at articulateinitiative.org. Hope to see you all next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm.